This is Jews with Tattoos. Body art is a fascinating way of communicating, and behind each piece of ink work is a real human story. On this podcast, we find and share those stories, and we'll shed light on how members of our tribe express themselves and walk in this world. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher, and welcome to Jews with Tattoos. Here to the Jews with Tattoos podcast. As you know, I'm Noam Rauscher. I'm your friend. I'm your buddy. Thanks, um, sir. Good to be here. And uh, it was really wonderful to meet you, Sam. Uh, we met at uh, what's called an I group here in Pasadena this mm. past Tuesday, uh, which is a wonderful, supportive uh, men's group for men who are just looking for support from other men. Right. Uh, in this crazy world, what does it be to? What does it mean to process what it is to be a man, um, and to learn from other men about their experiences? Um, uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself. My my friend's name, by the way, is Sam Cantor Ogren. Everyone, uh, he's a new friend of mine. I'm really happy to have him here for this podcast. Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, hi everyone. My name is Sam Cantor Ogren. Uh, I'm a labor organizer and uh, a new father. Um, Congratulations! Thank you very much. I'm 41 years old, so I'm getting into the game a little late, but better late than never. Um, my wife and I have a three-month-old daughter at home who we adopted just a few months mm. back. And so you're going through the gauntlet now of parenting, the late nights and the early mornings. And... Yeah, exactly. So if I get a little weird this morning, please forgive me. No it's worries. A, it's a sleep deprivation. Dude, I got two kids, and I know what it is to you be know. weird as a parent. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It I comes appreciate... up the territory, That's right? exactly right, and I appreciate your honesty in that way. Um so, uh, Sam, what is it that brought you to the men's group as well? Just for the people listening, they get a little bit more of a background of what we're talking about. Sure. So this group, um, which I've only attended a few times, so I'm still learning about it myself, but it's called the Mankind Project. And, you know, it's uh, a couple different things. I mean, I think that when I first started attending it last year, I found myself at a kind of challenging crossroads in life where I felt a little lost and felt like I wanted to explore some you know, some kind of hard-hitting growth, uh, but just didn't quite have the right outlet or community for that. Um, but what drew me to it is, a you know, a couple different notions. One of them is this, it's like this Japanese business word, Kaizen, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, you're familiar I'm with not. that. I'm not. Teach me a little. Okay, so Kaizen, it's about um, like everlasting learning, right? That we're never mm-hmm. just content with knowing what we know. And that was something that, you know, that I always saw from a kid was, you'd see these old people and we're supposed to revere them. But so many of the old folks, like they get to this place where like, I know what I know and that's what I know. And that's all there is to it. And they just seem kind of dead to me, you know, like to this kid that was like trying to figure out who he was and like what life's all about and how I fit into it that, you know, learning and growth and being willing to step outside of your comfort zone is, um, it's a quintessential part of being really alive. Right. And so this mankind project, it demands rigorous honesty and a degree of, yeah. of exposure, yeah. um, vulnerability and vulnerability. Yeah. Right. And you know, that can be a little daunting, but also I think that it's attractive and a real quintessential part of continued growth. Right. So that's a big part of it. And then, you know, there's this whole, um, idea in, 
in our modern culture of toxic masculinity yeah. and which, which is something that to be entirely honest, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not overly fond of, of that term. Right. Sure. Cause right. I kind of feel like, uh, I don't know, maybe we're as a culture, like throwing the baby out with the bathwater, like we're all getting thrown under the bus and, and, and I get it. Like right. I had an abusive father myself and he was quite toxic in a lot of ways and we are estranged and right. I'm sure he would be the kind of person that that term was you know, created for, but, um, but the, the, I, the fact that it's out there in the first place is just, you know, goes more to reinforce for me that as a modern male myself, that I have a responsibility to try to probe those issues and figure out how I can still maintain the essential maleness of who I am. Um, but also be sensitive and thoughtful and, you know, not be toxic. Right. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of good stuff there. And, you know, um, anyway, that's what, that's what brought me to those rooms. Uh, thank you for taking us deep so quickly with that, Sam. Um, I don't think I could have said it better myself. And it's funny how, you know, you end up talking about this. It was Japanese term, right? Yeah, I think so. And I can't even repeat it. I don't remember what it Kaizen. was. Kaizen. Okay. But it sounds a lot like in terms of content, right? The idea of, uh, limudim in the Jewish tradition, which is lifelong learning. Mm. Uh, and you know, yeah. and you talk about this idea, which I've also connected with personally, even from a Jewish perspective, participating in the Mankind Project and going to the weekly I groups is this idea of like really wrestling with ourselves to try to figure out what's going on inside so we can become better people and so we can grow from that. Right. And that really speaks to me, you know, as a rabbi um, and someone who studied the Torah a lot, you know, this idea of wrestling and that's what it means to be an Israelite, someone who wrestles with themselves and is capable of wrestling with themselves mm. because it means growth. We have that story of Jacob who wrestles with an angel in the middle of the night and he's not even sure who this angel is. We assume it's an angel, but it could be, you know, what we consider their sitra achra, his darker side, right? And so he spends that time wrestling with the angel and emerges a different person. He limps afterwards, but he's a stronger and different person as a result. And mm, I often cool find, story. yeah, and I often find that when we go to the I groups and we make ourselves vulnerable in that way, we might limp a little bit afterwards, but we're stronger as a result of it. Right. Um, and so I'm so glad that you brought that up at the beginning because it's just so wonderful to connect with you on that level. And, and that's what it's all about is I think guys connecting with each other through vulnerability and learning with one another, how they can be better people. So thank you for that. I really appreciate yeah, it. That absolutely. was great. Um, what's it like being a new father? I know that you're tired, but uh, tell me about something that you've learned about yourself as being a new father. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. Exhausted is definitely the first yeah. word that comes to my mind. I mean, for sure there's, there's a lot of love, but, um, She's kind of colicky and I'm so tired that I think I'm still kind of getting past that initial phase to everything else that comes beyond it, you know? And uh, also, I think I mentioned earlier that we adopted our daughter. And so there's this whole other aspect of connection and considerations that comes into play that, you know, we're going to get to all that stuff. But, yeah. but right now, you know, we're just kind of just working down the list, you know, we change the diapers, we feed the bottles, we burp them, we sue them, we sleep them and repeat, right? You do what you got to do. So let's also dive into the other important things while we're really here. Uh, let me tell you, my friends, uh, Sam is a big Jew. He's a tall guy. Uh, he's got a, he, as you can tell, he's got a wonderful voice, a nice deep one. 
Uh, and uh, Sam has actually got a bunch of tattoos. And let me tell you how he uh, actually came to be on this podcast. We went to the iGroup, like I said. I was sitting to the left of him, and he was wearing a short sleeve shirt. And I just kind of looked over, and I saw this big star of David, a Magain David. Uh, and I said, this is fantastic. This is kismet, right? You're here, and I'm working on a podcast about <laughs> Jews with tattoos. we got to get together. we got to talk. World, right. right, very small world, especially here in Pasadena, California, of all places. No doubt. Uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about all your tattoos. Just give us a map of the tattoos on your body, if you will. Okay. Uh, and um, then we'll go a little bit deeper into the Jewish ones. Sure. Okay, yeah. So I got five tattoos in total, three big ones, two small ones. Four that I 100% stand behind. One, <laughs> <laughs> one that I regret and uh, I'm still considering maybe getting it lasered off wow. at some okay. point. So I'll start with that one. Okay. Um, it's one of the smaller ones and it's on my wrist here. It's kind of like a, a jagged heart. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so I, I made this deal with my parents that I wasn't going to get any tattoos before I turned 18. And then I started my tattoos like a month after I turned 18. Right? Sure. Like, you know, I made good on the promise, right. but then I was, but then I was off. And you know, the thing that they'd always said to me about it is like, look, you got to, if you're going to get a tattoo, it has to be something that's not a, that's not a fad, right? It, because what we think is cool today is not what we're going to think is cool tomorrow or 10 years from now. And, um, so it has to be something that's significance maintains over the years. Yeah. Right. And so this one on my wrist, um, I guess it met that criteria at the moment. Uh, what it is is I traced over a, a vein of mine, hmm. and you know I was like 23 years old and in some like crazy, rocky romantic relationship, and you know, man, 23, right? Yeah. It's like for yeah. me, 23 or it's 20, not that much different than yeah, 18. Yeah, like 20s right. were the decade of like really bad relationships, you know, like they were hot, they were horrible. I hear you. I hear you. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, I was like, well, it's like my vein. And so, you know, I'm a bored lover, but also it's like jagged and imperfect. And I don't know, man, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but that's the one particularly because it's right there next to my shaking hand. And I shake a lot of hands in my, in my profession, you know, right now, you know, tattoos don't have the stigma that they used to have. And I try to compensate with, you know, being a character or whatever. But anyway, that's the one that I regret. So you mentioned your profession just for one second before we get into yeah. just very brief, um, just letting us know about your other tattoos. But you're a labor organizer, are you not? Correct. So yeah. uh, can you tell us just a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I come from an interesting family of, well, you know, social justice warriors has a different kind of connotation now. But very uh, Jewish, yeah. But yeah, right. And so before that was kind of a pejorative term. Like right. I come from a family of social justice warriors. Like my grandfather was an organizer. Mm. My sister was an organizer. And, you know, most of the other folks in my family, and particularly my, my parents' generation, were like, you know, politicians or public defenders or school teachers or organizers, you know. Um, so, you know, I grew up in this familial community where there was this expectation of tikkun ulam, right? That, you know, the world is broken and we each do our part to try to heal it and make it better and that we want to make a positive contribution, leaving the world better than we found it. Um, you know, and, and also the other part of organizing is just that, um, I got a, I got an issue foot, man. I can never do the nine to five in a cubicle and, you know, 
being a union organizer is long hours and stressful conditions, and the people that you're trying to help are abusing you on a pretty regular basis. Sounds uh, a little bit like being a rabbi. Yeah, okay. you know. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, you're using your body and you're using your mind uh, all the time. You're out yeah. there in the world, and it's just it's different yeah. every day, and it's dynamic, and you know, and it checks that box of doing doing good. God's work, right? That's so, wonderful. Yeah, so organizing, that's that's what it means for me. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and I could see how you shake a lot of hands in that way. Right. So Sam, tell us just uh, briefly, just give us a mention of the other tattoos on your body, and we'll get into the Jewish ones. Okay, sure. So, uh, so yeah, let's see. My first tattoo is I have a very small uh, Star David on my chest right over my heart. Okay. Um, then my second one is along my right shoulder and arm. I have a big tree. I think it's an apple tree. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was a kid, one of the things that my dad and his brother did was they ran this nursery called the Ogren Brothers Nursery. Mm -hmm. And uh, this tree was like the logo for it. And so it's kind of become the family tree. And I was the first one to actually put it on my body, but I have since kind of you know organized multiple family members of mine around like hey let's make it the official family tree you oh, know I, I did nice. that in, I did that in air quotes very nice <laughs> and uh, and have since got I think seven other family members to to hop on that train oh, so my. now it really is like the tattooed family tree oh my so yeah. every so you have several family members who all have the same tattoo yeah yeah my dad's oh, got wow. it my like seventy some year old aunt's got it and then like five of my other cousins too as well oh that's fascinating uh, and I don't want to read anything into it too much but trees are a very Jewish image too and yeah. so are apple trees that's really wonderful okay so w what are the other tattoos that you have uh, okay so then I guess that brings the us heart, to the, the right? one that I regret the jagged heart uh, then on the inside of my bicep on my left arm I've got um, so it's this character uh, Roland the the gunslinger from Stephen King's Dark Dark Tower series. Sure. At any rate, I don't know if you read it, but it's this Not epic one. series of, you know, it's a little horror, it's a little fantasy, it's a lot western, and it, it's just kind of an ultimate epic adventure story. And you know, and it goes uh, seven novels over like a thirty-one year span of Stephen King's uh, writing. And the last one is called The Dark Tower. And so the whole deal is about, you know, Roland, the last gunslinger, going through the years and the miles and the different universes and everything to try to find the Dark Tower. And, and so then it, there's a certain point in the last book where he actually gets to the Dark Tower. And it's this huge dark tower surrounded by an infinite field of red roses. And he's been through so much and sacrificed so much. And it's so beautiful, but it's also so terrible. And he gets to the edge of the field and he just falls to the ground on his knees and like smells this rose, you know? And that's that, that's what the this picture I is in here. Um, and, you know, I guess the, it's kind of a good uh, tattoo for like the whole Mankind Project community. Yeah. Because this guy, he's the ultimate badass. Yeah. You know, and the tattoo and the image reflects that, but also like... He's smelling a rose, right. you know? Right. So it's, you know, it's about both sides of that. Like, we can be strong but still be sensitive, That's maybe, exactly right. you know? Yeah. And just kind of the the terrible beauty of life. That's right? wonderful. Yeah. Very cool. Are there other tattoos other than the Jewish ones as well? Uh, no. So that's, okay. yeah, yeah, I got just just one more left, and that's the, the huge Star of David uh, 
which you noticed let's, when we were at that meeting. Let's yeah. dive into the Jewish ones. Let's start with the, uh, which one came first? The one on your heart? Or the, the one, one on my, Yeah, the okay. one over my heart. Um, so that was just a little one. So, okay, so I grew up in Minneapolis in a not particularly Jewish community. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the time they called it, it's St. Louis Park, but they called it St. Jewish Park because there were more Jews there than there were anywhere else okay. in the area, but it was still, you know, Minneapolis. So, um, and my family was not religious in a Jewish way. And so I guess when I was growing up, I didn't feel really connected to my Jewish identity or know much about it. And after I graduated high school, uh, I'd been living out in Berkeley for a little while. And then I decided that I wanted to go explore this whole Jewish identity thing. So mm. I booked a trip to Israel mm. and not just like on a birthright tour like sure. I was going to live I was there for several years oh my yeah, like so you made months. Aliyah to Israel I never actually made Aliyah I came pretty damn close to wow. but I changed my mind at the last minute because I was actually like standing in the immigration office and if I like just spent the entire day in line I, you know oh, this is I, I was really close like yeah. I was right there at the line but then at the last minute um well two things like one I was a you know a big smelly hippie with all of the like the cool peace values that went along with it. And I was like, man, what am I, what am I doing? Do I really sure. want to kill people I don't know? Even though maybe there are some legitimate reasons there or whatever. You mean in, in enlisting in the army? Yeah, see, okay. right. And then the other part of it was, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a family person. Like this is before I had my wife or my kid, but just my sister and my cousins and my mom and dad and. I just kind of realized that I couldn't be that far away from them, sure. you know? So anyway, I, I, I backed up off the last minute, came home, but this, this, uh, initial star David tattoo was, I was on a bus trip on my way from Berkeley to New York, where I was going to catch, uh, catch my plane to go to Israel for the first time. And, um, the bus broke down in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, and I got this weird relationship with the, the state of Nebraska because okay. every time that I'm ever there, something horrible happens or something wonderful. Oh, my. It's usually horrible, but this time was wonderful. This was okay. the most wonderful time. Right? Okay. So it broke down, and the bus driver was like, all right, we got like five hours, so go do what you're going to do and be back here in five hours. So I just start wandering around the town and... I go into this tattoo shop because I wanted a new piece of like body jewelry or something. Wasn't even thinking on the tattoo bit, right? Sure. But it was like I was the last customer of the day and I just decided spur of the moment. I was like, hey, I'm a Jew. I'm All 18 right. now. Okay. I'm about to go to Israel. So okay. I'm going to get me this tat. Okay. And so the guy, I don't remember his name, but he was a cool dude. He, he did it up and we started talking and I told him my whole deal with the bus and he was hella cool and First of all, he wouldn't take any money for it. He was like, man, I'm an artist and it's two triangles. Like, cause it's a real simple one, you right. know? So he's like, so first of all, that's on the house. And second of all, if you oh. got all this time to kill, like, why don't you come back to my house for dinner? And you know, okay. like, anyway, the whole thing was, it was a real pleasant experience and it was a cool kind of send off to Israel, right? So that's what that one was. Um, then I should go to the second one. Okay, so this- well, but, so, so you went off to yeah. Israel. Where did you live in Israel? Uh, so I had two different experiences there. My first year was on a kibbutz, okay. uh, kibbutz Suba, sure. uh, in the Judean Hills, a few miles outside of, uh, of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. I was there for a year in a Ulpan program. I, I had some Hebrew. It's mostly escaped me. Yeah. It's mostly You don't vanished. use it, you lose it. Yeah, right. And yeah. you know, I've not had ample opportunity to use it. So, but at any rate, I, I did get some of that down. And so it was like, you'd go to school one day and then you'd work one day and... 
that was a great experience. Um, I did all kinds of crazy jobs there. I met an Israeli girl and fell in love. And then after a year, the two of us, she left the kibbutz for the first time, and I left my gig on the Opan there, and then we went to Tel Aviv gotcha. for a year. Okay. So yeah, so that was that was my Israel Very cool. experience. Very cool. All right, so what about the other story? Okay, so this other one, this is actually the, oh my gosh. I'm sorry, I forgot. Tell I have us. a sixth tattoo. Okay. Can I circle back real quick? So is it a Jewish one? It's not Jewish. So one. let's circle back to it. As we're on the fl- yeah, we'll circle back at the end because okay. we're on the flow about the Jewish ones. Right and, now. okay, and this last tattoo, man, babe, if you're hearing this, I'm sorry because it's totally like <laughs> relationship-based. Oh, man, okay. <laughs> I've never been interviewed for a podcast. I'm a little nervous, you know? And it kind of ties into thematic stuff around this whole Mankind Project sure. community as well. Sure, but, sure, okay, sure. so... The Star of David tattoo, other than this more recent one that I got with my wife, it was like a couple tattoo. This big Star of David on my left arm was the most recent one that I got. And um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, this one was half about kind of cultural identity and unity and half about macho bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so let me explain that to you. So, you know, you describe me as a big guy. But uh, I come from the Ashkenazi side of things, and I, I guess I don't look like, you know, air quotes again, traditionally Jewish. Um, and shortly before I'd gotten this tattoo, there was some incident where, like, a friend of mine back in Minneapolis who does look traditionally Jewish uh, got beat up. Mm. And it was, like, debatably some kind of hate crime thing or whatever. Um, and so. You ever you ever hear of this old movie called Imitation of Life? No. Okay. So, so, man, that would be a fascinating film to remake in today's modern culture. Yeah. But uh, it's an old black and white flick about this um, mixed, part black, part white woman. Um, but her she she looked she looked pretty much white, right? Uh, you know that phenotype can represent in all kinds of different ways, and she looked white enough and that she could pass as white. And this was back in like the thirties or forties or something back when like, not that we fixed all our problems by any stretch of the imagination around race in our culture, but back when it was like dangerous to be black. Yeah. Well, okay. It's still dangerous to be black. You know what I'm talking about? I I hear you. Right. Like when it was a lot worse than it is now. Yeah. And, um, and this woman basically decided to like kind of separate herself and cut ties with, all of her family and her friends and her community and just went out into the world and, and lived her life passing herself off as a, as a white woman. Mm-hmm. Right. So on one side of, uh, on one side of it, there's this imitation of life, which always kind of like resonated to me and which was brought back to mind when I found out that my Jewish buddy that looked Jewish got beat down mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm Jewish too. And mm-hmm. I felt enraged about that. But at the same time, like I could walk by skinheads, you know, any day and they'd be like hey brother because i just look like a standard white dude right incidentally with a shaved head right right so which is because i'm bald because it's you. a fashion thing you know? yeah. Nobody's <laughs> that, yeah but uh <laughs> but any rate you know so part of me was like all right so if i wanted to i could just pass too mm. and so i thought like you know what i'm just gonna throw up a big flag so you got a problem with them 
let's make it clear, you got a problem with me too. Mm. <laughs> and then the other side of it, also a movie, uh, not nearly as quality, but called The Knockaround Guys. It's kind of, yeah, you saw I was that? thinking about that one. Uh, right? Yeah. Okay, so. I wasn't sure what the title was, but you're talking yeah, about Vin yeah. Diesel, right? like, Yeah, exactly. Right. Like okay. your kind of standard, like, 20-something, young, yeah. up-and-coming mafia dude movies, and there's this There's bar supposed to be, like, Jewish mafia guys, right? Or I don't know if they Jewish all family? are, but for okay. sure Vin Diesel's character was. Yeah, and this was like back when he right. was like young and hella cut. Right. And there's this bar scene where he beats the living crap out of this guy. And he's got this huge star of David, right? So part of it, like I said, was about, you know, cultural identity and unity. And the other part of it was just macho. Well, I, and I hear that too. And I remember that scene actually pretty vividly. Um, well, not so vividly that I could tell you the dialogue or anything. Um you know, and not even glorifying the violence of it, but I do remember part of that scene is that he takes off his jacket, right? And he's got this real serious look on his face and it exposes the, the Star of David tattoo that he's got on his arm. Right. right. And that's supposed to be a statement in and of itself, right? So I couldn't tell you like the dialogue, like if someone said something anti-Semitic or anything like that, but the whole point of that scene is so that he clearly identified as a Jew. Right. right? Yeah, so like yeah. He's like, let's just make it clear. That's right. You're about to get your ass kicked by a Jew. Something like that, right? Yeah. Right. At any rate, I was pretty young when I watched that. Okay. I'd moved a little out of my peaceful hippie phase. I was pretty psyched by the whole thing. Okay. So the combination of, of those two things, like I, like I said, it was just kind of badass, but it was also just like throwing up the flag and just like letting the world know like, hey, you got a problem with them. You got a problem with me and I'm not trying to hide it, you know? So, that, that's so, what that one was about. So, so, okay, so let me just review for a second because there's a lot of wonderful information. The first Jewish tattoo you have is pretty simple. It's on your heart, it's two triangles, mm -hmm. and that's about identifying with the Jewish people on this journey to Israel. Right. Right, okay. And I could tell it makes sense to put it on your heart because that's a loving gesture, right? I hope yeah, exactly. Okay, fine. Um, and then the other one you have uh, is really about throwing up a flag. And if I do recall, we'll put a picture up for people to see if you're willing to, to sure. give us a picture, um, is that it's pretty colored right i mean it's got some some color no it. it's not it's not oh. colored it's just okay. black and white but it's got um it's got visual depth i i, I asked okay. for uh like a beveled sword look okay so at any rate it's not colored maybe i'll do that someday but but you could tell it's got some depth to it it's like got saying, yeah I it's got you. visual depth okay and and that just i mean i'm really blown away by that i mean there are two things that i'm kind of thinking about uh, as you bring this stuff up um one is you know you have these I'm sure being to Israel, you've seen really Orthodox Jews and maybe even just some very traditional Jews put on tefillin, right? Mm, the the right. phylacteries, the, the leather boxes that we put on our arm and our head and we wrap yeah. them around. They're supposed to be a daily obligation for Jews who, who are that practicing. Um, and part of the reason, you know, what we're told to do is if we're right-handed, we put it on our left arm. And if you're left-handed, you, left you put it on your right arm. And the mm, idea is that you strengthen that. that part of your body that's considered weak. Right, mm. for that matter. Okay. Um, but even more so, you put the box up um, on the top of your bicep facing inward to your heart. Right. Okay. Um, and that's really fascinating. Um, I'm not suggesting that you did that, but it just rings a bell in my head, right? That, like, it's this, you know, and I've talked about this with other people on the podcast that, you know, the tattoos they get are reminders to themselves, um, kind of like tzitzit are, right? The fringes on the tali tot or, or the corners of our garments that really mm. religious people have a tendency of wearing or even traditional people as reminders about, you know, the commandments, the things, that, the actions that we're supposed, that we're obligated to take as Jews, those things. Right. Um, and so it just strikes me how, 
that kind of is the formation almost of your tattoos, right? That you've got it on, you've, you've got it on your left arm and it also faces your heart. You've got another one on your heart. I'm just blown away by that. And again, not trying to read that into your personal story, but I find that to be a connection. Um, and the second thing that you brought up is something that I've been thinking about for a long time now, um, mm. particularly with race relations in this country and this idea of intersectionality, right? Jews for the longest time have been able to benefit because of their whiteness. Um, right. You know, we may have been seen as other for the longest time in the earlier part of the century, that is the, the 20th century, right? There's no question about it that Jews often talked about their identity as in whispers, right? You would be a Jew in private and in public, you would be anything but, right? You would talk about your identity mm -hmm. almost as if it was a cancer. You would whisper it in some way so that other people wouldn't hear about it. Um, and still even today, you know, there's this whole conversation about, you know, am I Jewish, I'm American, am I American, I'm Jewish, or am I white, right, and am I Jewish, or am I Jewish first and then I'm white, right, and right. even just Jewish, right, does that change what I look like? Um, and I think there'd be a lot of people who say, you know, who aren't white who would say, no, your Jewish identity doesn't change what you look like. You're still white and you still benefit from, you know, white privilege in American society and you can't deny that. Right. Um, because you easily, as a Jew, I mean, I talk about this all the time, as a rabbi, in particular to wearing my kippah, my, my head covering when I'm out in public and doing certain things, but even on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish year, hmm. I could walk into a McDonald's, take off my yarmulke and order a cheeseburger, and nobody would know the difference. Right. Right? We get to take it off whenever we want That's to. exactly right. I mean, not all of us, but you and I could at but least. That is you know? part of the, but it, I think that is part of the privilege that Jews get to entertain. Right? And we often take that for granted. We often don't acknowledge it, that there is a privilege that we can kind of slip that Jewish right. identity on and well, off and that's as a long real, as we want to. Yeah, it's a real interesting qualifier because something that in the modern lexicon I've, I've kind of taken a little bit of issue with is that when we're talking about these kind of race relations subjects, it's often stated as racism and anti-Semitism. Yeah. And I've always been a little bit offended, like why is it that when you're being anti-Semitic, that's not just folded into racism? Right. I, th right. I think the reason for that is probably exactly what you're talking about right now. But you know, like my wife and I did the 23andMe thing that not, not that long ago and it ends up like, oh, well, this hotly debated issue over right. is Judaism just a religion or is it also race? Apparently right. it's a, a little bit of both. There's so a genetic component there, you know. But you're you're absolutely right. It is something that we have the option to embrace or And I've heard people say I'm opposite. not white, I'm Jewish, right? I'm not white, I'm Jewish. And and frankly, I think that's a mistake. Right? I think uh, if you are Jewish and you're white, you have to acknowledge that you're white and you have to acknowledge the benefit mm -hmm. and the privilege that you've been able to enjoy as a result of it. And same thing as being Jewish. Um, you know, we've been able to benefit in this country because of our whiteness and because of our Judaism, unlike a lot of other people. It's created a great deal of upward mobility for our people. Um, and I think you're right that there is a link between general racism and also anti-Semitism and even, you know, uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel and Dr. Martin, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., right? They often talked about the mutual support that needs to occur between the Jewish community and the black community because their struggles are pretty similar. Right. Um, you know, that um, eliminating, you know, Heschel would say eliminating racism is tantamount to eliminating, you know, anti-Semitism, right? And Dr. King would talk about how we've got to support both of those communities in this endeavor because it's how we'll all achieve freedom in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so throwing up a flag to go back to your tattoo is actually really important. 
there are different ways that Jews could publicly identify. Um, but it's very easy for us to slip off that identity, right, and to slip into one that is a little bit more socially acceptable. And I don't want to say that Judaism isn't socially acceptable. It certainly is, right? But at the same time, to be... But be, we're not it, on WASP level of, that's of what, cultural acceptance that's exactly across right. the board either. We're still know? in a Christian nation, right? Right. Christmas is still the national holiday, right? Yeah. I mean, all that stuff still, you know, benefits the non-Jewish community. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. And yet at the same time, we exist in this framework of, you know, we can move on with our lives without identifying as Jewish and still benefit, mm-hmm. right? People of color cannot do that, right? They right. cannot slip off their identities, um, and so, you know, I, I just think there's something fascinating about that and that you would take a step to say, this is who I am, right? I'm not running away from that is really actually very beautiful. There are a lot of different ways, like I said, that you could express that you're Jewish. You could wear a kippah, you could wear tzitzit, right? You could change your name. That's something that's obviously mm. Jewish, right? For people to see um, or hear. Um, but having a tattoo is another way of doing it. Um, uh, is there been a time when... Um, that t- that tattoo, either one of them, um, outside of the stories of when you got them. But has there been a time since those stories that those tattoos have been really important for you? You know, strangely enough, I I guess I'd anticipated that it was going to facilitate all these moments of conflict in life, mm. and it didn't. you know because uh, because its origin was about you know this horrible hate crime like thing happened to my buddy of mine, but I haven't really had much of an issue with it since then. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, um, talking about privileges, um, about white privilege, but there's another privilege with being male. And then there's an even Absolutely. other privilege right. beyond that, which is being a big ass white male. Sure. So right. like I go where I want and I say what I want and, and having a voice like that, nobody argues with you. I'm sure. Yeah. Like there's just easier people to mug and, Screw with, you know. <laughs> I mean, you don't mean that literally. Full, full disclosure: like, right. I'm not actually that tough, or right. you know, don't have like the best fighting skills. But, but like, your appearance is domineering in that way. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, I guess I've just been been lucky in that way. Sure. But but yeah, I definitely like the idea of like I don't want to be able to shove it off, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I felt maybe a little guilty about that um, that I didn't look it, you know, that I don't look Jewish at all. Or sometimes felt like when I was hanging out with my Jewish friends that looked more Sephardic, like I felt maybe a little left out or I don't know, not in like a, you know, really intense way, but I just wanted to, I don't know. It was a unity thing. I wanted to take that option off the table, you know, of, of being able to pass, of being able to pass. You wanted to take that off the table. And, you know, I mean, a little less now, one, just because I'm like 41 and not such like a aggressive hothead. Right. And also because I'm 41 and not in as good shape as I used to be. But I used to really like get off on like wearing tag tops and like walking out into like the world and be like, deal with it. (laughs) You know? Right. So now it's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, it's, um, again, I'm really, uh, this is a wonderful conversation, very serendipitous, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struck by this idea of very much wanting to physically identify, right, and to look a particular way, mm-hmm. um, and how it sounds like you felt left out in that way. A little bit. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, visually, and then also because I wasn't raised as part of a religious Jewish sure. community, 
um, which, you know, offline is something that I would like to continue asking you more about just because there's Absolutely, a lot about sure. Jewish religion and community that I still don't really know that much about. Yeah. You know? Well, you're in Los Angeles of all places, right, which has got three quarters of a million Jews. So, right. you know, you're in good company. There's a lot of wonderful Jewish communities that you could access that would love to have you. Right. Okay. Um, so don't fret about that. I'll be happy to talk to you more about that offline. Um, and that's really wonderful that you would yearn to be part of something, right? There are probably plenty of people who are like, no, you know, I'm okay doing my own thing as a Jew or as a human being, but yours seems to be one of striving to be part of something greater than yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, right. And then also, when I hear you say that, I think parenthood immediately, okay. right? there you go. Um, and, you know, just this whole notion of being part of a community, Yeah. right? That's yeah. That's a big thing, and I think that it's a real important part of living a gratifying life. I hear you. I hear you. That's, um, well, this conversation has been really gratifying for me. Um, thank you so much. Uh, Sam, you said you had another tattoo, a sixth one that you wanted to talk about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, this Six is... tattoos, by the way, six points on the Jewish star. I'm just putting that out there. Say hey. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is a good way to, if we are ending the conversation, would be a good way to end it because it's really bringing it full circle sure. to when we were talking about the kind of existential philosophy and values of the Mankind Project, this group. Um, so what it is, is on the inside of my right bicep, and it is just a date. Okay. And my wife, although in a different place and format on her body, also got the same date, and it was February 9th, 2018. So mm. roughly a year and a half ago. And I had found myself in a kind of challenging place in my life where I was uh, struggling with my career a bit and my wife and I were struggling with, you know, aspiring parenthood. And it was, a, it was a kind of crossroads moment when I was feeling pretty low, but I was starting to kind of dig myself back out of the hole and see that light again. And something that I had observed about my character was that, um, <clears throat> I tend to just feel things intensely, sure. you know, and, and I'm starting to stabilize in a more productive, effective way. But through a, throughout much of my younger life, like I didn't have a bad day. Like if I had a bad day, it was a bad life, sure. you know, and like I just couldn't emotionally distinguish. Like everything there. was so intense. There was nothing existed in a vacuum. It was all of a whole. And um, and I started realizing on, on a functional basis how much I was sabotaging myself with that kind of attitude and perspective that, you know, not to get too cheesy about it, but like every day and every moment is an opportunity for us to start anew. Mm -hmm. And I was just throwing out, you know, the expression throwing out good money after bad. Yeah. Okay. So this was about throwing out good time after bad time. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I realized like, look, like bad times are going to come, you know, things that are beyond my control that are unfortunate or painful, they're going to happen in life. And some days I'm going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm not going to be seeing things in a clear or positive way. Mm. But just because I'm feeling that right now doesn't mean that I need to be feeling that for the rest of my day. And because I'm feeling it today doesn't mean that I need to be feeling and living that life for the rest of my week yeah. and life and onward, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, I talked about this whole notion with my wife and, you know, part of the challenging time that I was having was not just me personally, but I think in our relationship, you know, because I was struggling, I think we were struggling a little bit and we talked about this whole notion. And so we both decided to do this on February 9th of last year. Um, 
as a way to honor that whole notion of, of a commitment to stop throwing good time after bad, mm -hmm. both as our individual selves and also um, in terms of the, the relationship or like the third self that the two of us form together, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, that ties back into um, this, this whole like notion of constant learning. Yeah. and constant commitment to growth is that, you know, whatever has happened before us, whatever has happened this morning, we still have another opportunity this afternoon and tomorrow. Right. And that's a really wonderful thing, too, to think about how no two minutes or hours or even days can be alike or should be alike, right? Mm -hmm. Just because one day is bad or even one moment is bad doesn't mean the rest of the day has to be bad. Right. Right. And just because one day is bad doesn't mean your whole week is, or your month, or even your year. That's certainly something that I've struggled with personally in, in wrestling with depression at certain times in my life. Um, but also this idea that, um, you know, it is very easy to throw out good time after bad. And you have to think consciously about that. Yeah, uh, if you get too deep in that, that's exactly it, right. it's, it's easy to start feeling like you're beyond redemption. That's right. And you, you know? can fall deeper, and deeper nothing into is, a hole. I like to believe that nothing is beyond redemption. Right. Another beautiful Jewish concept. I mean, Sam, you have a really wonderful Jewish neshama, um, which is a Jewish soul. which is cool because yeah. I don't know too much about the actual Jewish religion. So I'm glad that I've found myself on the right path. All and the it's same. coming out in really beautiful ways, whether or not it's explicit in a tattoo, but um, or implicit in terms of the things that you do with the tree of life or the date. You know, you have on your arm, on your it's the inside of your left arm or right arm. Right. Yeah. Left inside of your right arm, um, and this idea of redemption always being possible are very Jewish concepts. They really are. Um, and uh, it's been so wonderful. And, you know, you talked about how you were coming to meet with a rabbi, so your wife wanted you to go away enlightened. I'm coming away enlightened um, <laughs> from this whole conversation. So uh, well, the feeling's mutual. Thank you, Sam. Uh, this has been great. I'd love to talk to you more. And uh, I'm proud to call you my warrior brother, uh, brother from another mother. And uh, yeah, yeah. this has been really wonderful. Thanks again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Much appreciated. Likewise. Much appreciated. Cheers. Thank you.